All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez, and I'm here with John Downing, and we're going to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. Johnny, how are we doing this week? Good, good. We're excited. Moving on to the championship round yet again. <laughs> Team Tom. Team Tom, all the way. Ninth time in 10 years, baby. If the text messages I've received over the last week are any uh, hint of what's to come, you've, you've got quite the treat planned for us, taking a victory lap before the deed is even finished. Doesn't need to be finished. It just All you needed to do was get here. He did it, and that's, that's good enough. There's n- nothing more needs to be accomplished for him. That's the thing. He's won six rings. He's now made 14 championship games. And the debate is not will he or the Patriots win the Super Bowl. It's The debate is Bill Belichick versus Tom Brady. So that that's the debate, right? And so to expect either one of them to win the Super Bowl in the first year is unrealistic. And if either one of them did, that'd be impressive. But the debate is who's more important, okay? And right now... Bill Belichick is getting absolutely crushed. <laughs> so, I mean, things are not good in Bill I Trust people. And things are not good for him, uh, as we've seen with his his wife shutting down her social media accounts. Things are not good in Patriots land these days with Tom going as far as he's gone so far. So that that's the thing. Like you say that like he needs to win. So he doesn't need to win the Super Bowl. The debate is the debate is Belichick versus Brady. And that debate seems to be getting settled. Doesn't seem like much of a debate anymore. No. Let's get right into our number 68. I promised you I had a good one for this week. Uh, I'll go second. Okay, um, let's continue with the linemen. Ooh. More linemen. <laughs> Episode 68. Linemen, 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 linemen. And we're not even going to veer very far from the last lineman. We're just going to move right on down the line. Another <laughs> an, uh, another redskin. We're going to go with Russ Grimm, born May 2nd, 1959. A former football player who was a guard for the Redskins. Uh, played on the same line as Joe Jacoby. Um, with the previous uh, episode 67, he served as a coach for the Redskins, the Steelers, the Cardinals, and the Titans. But Grimm had multiple selections to the All Pro and Pro Bowl teams. Was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2010. Grimm played 11 years for the Redskins. Was a first team selection to the 80s All Decade Team, and he won three Super Bowls. The Redskins and was four-time Pro Bowler. Four-time first-team All-Pro. And, uh, yeah, that's my number 68. Part of the Hogs for the Redskins in the 80s. That's episode 68, Russ Grimm. All right. Johnny, I have a little bit of a reprieve for you here. I know you're sick and tired of linemen, so I'm going to blast off here with a Czech superstar, a man who was born on the same day as me in 1972, the day after Valentine's Day, February 15th. I'm talking, of course, about Yamir Yager, the NHL legend, journeyman, played for nine different teams, was drafted by my Pittsburgh Penguins, won a Stanley Cup his rookie year. He has won two Stanley Cups, is a eight-time All-Star, uh, won the Masterton Trophy, Three-time won the Lester B. Pearson, also now known as the Ted Lindsay Award, the Hart Trophy, five-time scoring champion, uh, wore 68 for nine different teams, holds the record for most career game-winning goals uh, with 135, just about every record there is to have both single season and career for a European player uh, belongs to him. He is part of the Triple Crown Club, having won the Ice Hockey World Championships, the Olympic Gold Medal, and also a Stanley Cup. 
in 1,733 games. He had 766 goals, 1,155 assists for 1,921 points. <laughs> Ended his career. Well, I guess he didn't end his career, but uh, his NHL career, a plus 322 at the staggering age of 48 is still the captain, star forward, and owner probably general manager and coach too, uh, of the clad now team. My number 68 hockey legend, Yamir Yager. Okay. Well, Johnny, while we are on the topic of American ice hockey, how have things been in your world since the inception of the season just a week ago? Have the Bruins started playing yet? No, they have, but you wouldn't know by watching them play because they can't score a freaking goal and their games are absolutely painful to watch. Now, five on five, they just, they're incapable of scoring. And I know some of that has to do with Posternak being out, but all that means is that when Posternak comes back, it's just going to be back to the Posternak, Bergeron, Marchand line being the only line that can score again. Other than that, Nobody on their team can score five on five, and it's makes for a really boring watching. So, I, I mean, I know that they played, and, and but other teams have scored goals. That's the thing. So there, there have been complaints about the puck not being the same puck that they're used to. And I know that the Bruins because it's the, got the tracker in it. Yeah, something, something's different, and. The Islanders play a style that lends itself to low-scoring games. But the Bruins have had this problem, it seems like, for a long time now. And it just seems more exacerbated now, uh, especially without Pasternak in the lineup. So I, I just I worry that this year could be kind of kind of a slog and tough to score goals. And Tuca can play well, but if they can't score goals... It doesn't matter. They're still going to lose two to one, one to nothing, like they have been. So we'll see. It's only three games in, but not not a not a great start. Not an exciting start. If you missed hockey, then you're still missing it, missing it. I'm having a different experience <laughs> after a couple nasty games. Tough start. Tough tough going in the first couple games against the Flyers. The Penguins pulled out a couple of gutsy wins against the Capitals in overtime, both of them, one in, one in the shootout and, and one in the three-on-three uh, -three period. Sidney Crosby, uh, we always know he's money for goals anytime he's playing the Flyers, uh, but he's been finding the back of the net and he's been making plays. He's got five points in four games already. Yevgeny Malkin finally got uh, his first goal of the season uh, in this last game against the Capitals. It was really weird seeing how many ex-Penguins um, were on the Capitals, which is very strange. Justin Schultz on their blue line. Obviously, Carl Hagelin has been with the Capitals for a couple of years. Seeing Big Z in the white and red, that was very strange. Uh, he actually, to his credit, looked pretty good uh, in that game. They had him matched up with Sidney Crosby. He was doing a, a fairly decent job, you know, given his mobility issues <laughs> in his advanced age. Also, it was nice to see the return of Kasperi Kapanen. You'll remember him, Johnny, from way back when you and our buddy Shibley uh, were doing the old podcast. I can't remember what the name of that was. Do you remember? No. <laughs> you just threw it at me. I don't remember. Um, sports Night. Uh, Jesus Christ. I, I don't remember. Something Night Shift or... Some kind of sports night shift or something like that. Well, way back, I mean, this must have been, what, seven years ago? Something like that? Yeah. Six years ago? I had a deep sleeper. Young kid drafted out of the, was already playing in the in the Finnish men's league. And uh, I said, keep your eye out for him. And then uh, he got swiftly traded away in the Phil Kessel deal and has been up in Toronto uh, all this time. But the prodigal son has made his way uh, return home and uh, had an assist in that game and looked pretty good. So it's a very different Penguins team that I'm looking at this year, and I'm excited to see how it goes. It, it, it seems like we're a little thin on the blue line. I'm not totally sold on Matheson. 
and it looked like Pedersen took a pretty big shot from a very pissed off TJ Oshie. I don't know if it was a collarbone or shoulder if, or if that's been released yet, but a little bit slower of a start than I would have liked, but I, I like that it, it seems like there is a big emphasis on speed and, and playing in the opponent's zone, and I love watching that kind of hockey, and it looks like this is going to be a Penguins team, as per usual, that are winning games 4-3, 5-4, Nesto is a Penguins fan, for anyone who's a new listener. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I sure am. That's why we get Penguin stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you would you would assume so, right? If I'm talking Steelers, I'd be talking Penguins. Nobody's, nobody's talking Steelers anymore, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think that maybe, I don't know, it seems like maybe we have new listeners, so maybe we should just try to explain why we're doing what we do a little bit more maybe i don't know just an idea just a thought yeah yeah you know because you know we're not obviously going over all the teams in the nhl or in other sports so just try to lead people into why we do what we do a little bit oh yeah oh yeah looking at the way this year is going to go the composition of these covid divisions um which are brought to you by scotia bank Mm, God, I know. They're all branded. Hey, Uh you know, they got to make it where they can make it because they are not making it on ticket sales this year. Well, I remember like when it used to be the Adams division that the Bruins were in years ago. Yeah, the Campbell division. Campbell division, right. So I I actually preferred that, but that doesn't bring in the money, unfortunately. Right. And I mean, how easy is it to just call it that and then you get millions and millions of dollars? So like, I suppose, yeah. Whatever keeps it going, yeah. Keeps it, yeah, keeps the machine alive, especially in these times. Uh, but anyways, the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning just have it so incredibly easy this year. It just makes me sick. And the wild cards are going to be taken out of it in this iteration of the playoffs. So top four teams from each division are getting so in, this, and that is it. This is going to be Canada's year. I can feel it. It's happening this year. Finally. Who, though? I don't know yet. Come, check back later, please. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that with them all playing each other, they're going to have more opportunities this year and somebody. Yeah, but not really, because think of the teams like nope. Calgary usually yep. Yep. Gets, to, gets to beat up on Minnesota four I times. I like Calgary. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I like Calgary too. Toronto, I mean, no, you keep, never. I, know you, I know you hate Toronto, but... Well, uh, they're... They're like the Tampa Bay Bucks of sports, the one of the losingest franchises in the history of sports. Well, and they just they're 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 known choke artists. You know what I mean? Like they're they've always found a way to, to lose. So mm-hmm. you can probably count on that. And then you got the Canadians. I, I don't know. I don't know. Ottawa, no. <laughs> Well, Ottawa's up and coming. They had a really good draft, and they've brought in some big free agents and could be an emerging threat, Johnny. Stay tuned. Okay. Let's go further west, though. What about Vancouver or Edmonton? Well, yeah, of course, with... Uh, Winnipeg. I've always... The, I like the new Winnipeg. They're they're attractive. Yeah, but all their guys are so old. Like, Blake inch, Wheeler's inch on the or... wrong side of 30. Yeah, uh, I get that. They kind of missed uh, their window. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh, I, like, I like their physical style. Patrick Laine, fuck me. Jesus Laine. Christ. Really streaky? He's out. He didn't play last night. Oh, he didn't? No. Well, that's not good. Oh, what were we talking about before then? Because that just led us down to nowhere. Just a Canadian team that is... Can a, could a Canadian team come out this year? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's possible. I, t- I still think... It's too early to tell because we have no idea what this season is even going to look like. If they're going to get to complete it, if uh, there's going to be any issues, if they're going to have to wind up doing what baseball did and go with winning percentage at a certain point. So, Mm -hmm. you know, anything could really happen in this COVID world. So we'll just keep our ears to the ground and, and see what happens. But it's good to see regular season hockey going 
down and i'm loving the idea of playing your opponents uh eight times like that's such a that's going to build such great rivalries and these teams especially in the early rounds of the the playoffs are going to be really familiar with each other and i think it's going to make for some great series yeah i mean i expect that the bruins will probably score more when they get to play a team like pittsburgh why because of our goalie situation then they're taking a shot just no well i guess (laughs) indirectly yes indirectly that yeah because usually when they play the penguins it's a higher scoring game that just lends itself to a higher scoring game but other than that i'm looking at like you play the islanders we bruins play the islanders eight times new jersey eight times those are going to be low scoring games rangers probably going to be low scoring games buffalo might be high scoring but the only one like i see that's probably going to Sometimes the Philly games are high scoring, but Pittsburgh Pittsburgh and Philly are probably the only games you can count on to be games with goals. There certainly isn't going to be any layup games on the schedule for anybody in that East division. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Okay, uh, well, let's pivot into our moneymaker here. And let's talk some football. We have just a couple more games left of this season, Johnny. It's been a wild ride. And here we are getting ready for the conference championship round. And let's take a look back at the week that was. Starting on Saturday morning, we had the Los Angeles Rams going to Lambeau Field, where Aaron Rodgers just put on a clinic. It was a full 60-minute ass-beating. I mean, what do you have, like four incompletions the entire game? Just efficient, the he whole team. 23 of 36, so 13 incompletions. All right, all right. It, but, but it didn't feel that way. You know, it felt like he was hitting every pass. It felt like he was making every read. You know, I've been high on Aaron all season, and it was just a complete game by the entire team. Yeah, the Rams didn't have a chance going into this game. They really, they really didn't. They were up against. I think that they have one win since 1970 in Green Bay. L.A. just does not travel well to Lambeau. It was not a good matchup for them, especially with Jared Goff having small hands and never really playing in the cold, being a California kid. So it was a mismatch from the get-go, and the Packers got started with a nice drive right off the bat. They were able to run the ball, and I think the difference this year is that Aaron Rodgers is taking what's given to him, and he's not trying to make the hero play every play, which is a bad habit that he got into the last three years, was not running the offense, just playing the hero ball. You saw this year, and in this game specifically, you saw a lot of him just taking what was given to him, and that served him well in this game, especially going up against the number one defense. Aaron Donald was limited in this game for the Rams, uh, we saw him a lot on the sidelines, so their pass rush was limited. I thought Green Bay Packers offensive line did a tremendous job of keeping uh, Aaron clean in the pocket. And, you know, on the flip side, Akers did a good job for the Rams running the ball, and they tried to stick to it as much as they could, but without Cooper Cup in this game. I, and I just think that Goff wasn't able to – do much or challenge Green Bay as much offensively down the field. So there were limitations, and in the end, they couldn't keep up. The Packers advanced 32-18, to 18, easily covering the spread here. So moving on, the game itself was kind of boring, to be honest, but the Packers did look uh, efficient and uh, workmanlike. Mm-hmm. All right, and next up we had the... Ravens at the Bills uh, was expecting this to be yeah a good game, but it just was not. Lamar Jackson looked downright awful, and then once he got hurt, they were already dead in the water, and then it just became hopeless. And you know, it was a a couple quarters of just lay down and die. The Bills win seventeen to three in this game, and. I got to be honest, I went to bed at halftime of this game because I couldn't take it anymore. You know, old man John gets tired at a reasonable hour now. So I had to watch the rest of it when I woke up early the next morning. And I was just in total disbelief. Uh, The game started boring. It it continued boring and it ended boring. And it was what bothered me in in this game was that it's the playoffs. And I know there's no control and Buffalo has home field. But I don't want to see 
teams get limited and quarterbacks be limited and offenses be limited by the freaking wind. And the wind was just spiraling in, in this kicks. game. And Four. there was missed field goal after missed field goal. And then in the second half, both teams missed. Like, so Allen had digs for a touchdown and the ball just got carried and he got overthrown. And then Huntley came in when Lamar Jackson got hurt and he had Marquise Brown open for a touchdown and the ball sailed on him, got carried in the wind. And so both teams were limited by the wind. But besides the wind, I mean, Isn't this, that, is, this was underwhelming, this game. And, and I was totally disappointed. I expected this game to be high scoring in the in the, the 20s at least and maybe into the 30s for both teams because the Ravens are supposed to have a or do have a really good run offense. But here's what I think happened. I think so you have a really good run offense and. Lamar Jackson, who doesn't have a really strong arm, and you need, in order to throw in the wind, you need to have a big, strong arm to get it where you need to go. And Lamar can't do that. And they're not, they're already vertically and they don't pass well already to begin with. You throw in the, the wind component, and they were extremely limited. And on the flip side, I was surprised to see the Bills just go pass, 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 and barely run the ball. And that's going to have to change if they want to beat the Colts or the I'm sorry, the Chiefs, because they were one of the top play action teams all year long. And now they're just sitting in the shotgun and saying, Josh Allen, do what you do. You just put the ball in Josh Allen's hand and hopefully he doesn't make any mistakes. So, I yeah, I was thoroughly un- underwhelmed by this game. And it's if the Ravens don't do something soon. They're going to be at the prototypical nine and seven, ten and six or eleven and five team every single year and then lose early in the playoffs if they don't figure something out. Because right now this team, the way that they are constructed is not built to go far enough in the playoffs because they have too many limitations in the passing offense. Mm. So good for the bills getting the win. It's kind of like what everybody said would happen with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the bills did a really good job containing the Ravens run game. I thought the Ravens offensive line was absolutely trash in this game too, which was stunning because that has been a strength of their team and they were not good at all. It's like they weren't ready to play. They were committing penalties in this game early on in the first half. There were some fans in the stands, like 6,700 fans in the stands. So it it was a little loud, but it wasn't that loud. And at one point early in the game, you got penalty after penalty after penalty. And then they had third long and then of course, Lamar Jackson couldn't get the first down. They had to punt it. And it's just like, guys, wake up. You're in the playoffs here. Saturday Night Football. I just feel like there was a lot of tenseness on the Ravens side. And but on the flip side, I don't think the Bills did a very good job either. I thought Brian Dayball's offensive game plan was limit was was not smart either. So the Bills made out by just being the better team that day than the Ravens. But they're going to have to fix it if they want to go to the Super Bowl. Okay. Next up, we had the Sunday afternoon game, the 11-5 Browns at the 14-2 Kansas City Chiefs. It looked like the, the Chiefs came out a little more efficient than I think we have seen them start in the playoffs the last few games. Usually, you know, it takes them a couple series to get going, but they came right out with it. And then another <laughs> missed extra point uh, to, to start things off. Uh, it was a weird, weird weekend for special teams, and then, but of course, the the story of this game, Patrick Mahomes going down with what appeared to be a concussion. Uh, he looked like he didn't know what planet he was on. We are now hearing that is he was a, on Planet Zippy. <laughs> we are now hearing that that it was likely a um, a Vegas nerve uh, reaction that made him pass out and. Have reports been confirmed that he is doesn't have a concussion, or is that still as of yet unconfirmed? I don't know. Don't care. He'll play. <laughs> he will. Yes, he'll be fine. Um, he'll play. So he left late in the second quarter, and so the Chiefs, I thought the most critical play, aside from the Mahomes injury, which obviously wasn't as critical as it could have been, the Chiefs were up 19-3 late in the second quarter, and they threw the pass to Higgins, and Higgins goes in for the touchdown. And what do you think about this rule? 
What do you think about the rule? You dive for the pylon, someone hits you, the ball goes through the end zone, and the other team gets the ball in the 20. Do you like that rule? Do you agree with that rule? Do you want to see that rule stay, or do you want to see it changed? All right, so first off, in the game itself, it was the correct application of the rule. Of course, but you're not answering my question. Now, you'll remember a Xavier Grimble fumble of the same sort that absolutely tore my heart to shreds. This, I believe th- this against... play happens all the time, Ernesto. I That's understa- why I'm asking you the question. I understand that. So I hate the rule. Hate I think it. it's stupid. I think it's I, I hate it. I think what should happen is that if you fumble the ball going into the end zone, your team retains possession, but it is a touchback. You you need to restart from the twenty yard line. Okay. I know what you expect me to say, but I think I'm going to say I like the rule. And it's one of the most unique rules in sports because oh, it benefits the defense. Well, no, listen, this rule is all about how smart your team is and how unselfish your team is. If your team is well coached, they know and they understand that you can't be selfish going for the glory, going for the touchdown. Instead, protect the football, go down on the one yard line and let your fullback, your running back, or your quarterback punch it in from the one-yard line. That's if you're well-coached. But most teams aren't well-coached, and the, the player is wants all the glory, so he goes for the diving touchdown, the ball gets punched out, it goes to the end zone, and his team loses possession. But meanwhile, the smart thing to do would be go down, you have the ball in the one-yard line first and goal, start over there for the team glory. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, no. I'll tell you this. I had Higgins everywhere, so I wanted Higgins to be in the end zone for the touchdown. So I was pissed when it happened. But when I thought about that and I, I heard someone explain that to me, I was like, it is the one of the more unique rules in sports. And to think of it that way, it kind of made sense to me. I was like, that's true. I mean, if, if, if you play unselfish football and you just go down and protect the football, you have the ball first and goal in the one-yard line, and then you can punch it in from there. Don't be selfish. You should know the rule. This play happens a lot. So I, I actually do like it. Hmm. Okay. Did surprise me. Yeah. So anyway, we saw the ball get turned back over to Kansas City, and they were unable to capitalize. They missed a field goal. And they go to halftime 19-3. And then the Browns started mounting a comeback, which was unexpected because I kind of thought the Browns were out of it. But how about Nick Chubb in this game, dropping pass after pass after pass? Like, he was a huge disappointment. He kind of got it going in the third quarter, running the ball. But as far as pass catching, he, he was a big disappointment for me. He, he left a lot of yards on the field that could have really helped the Browns. And I thought that... When Chad Henne threw the threw that interception, I thought it the the path was open for Cleveland to pull the upset, but they stopped being aggressive. They started just running the ball, running the ball, and they weren't they they were afraid to let Baker sling it and go win the game for them. I thought the door was ajar for them to win the game, and they kind of held back a little bit. And we saw that late in the fourth quarter when they got within one score and they got the ball back, and they were not very aggressive on first second or even third down and they had a fourth and nine and it was a decision of whether do you go for it or punt it and they decided to punt it and of course you give the ball back to kansas city and you never get the ball back that's a risk you take you're going against kansas city in kansas city you want to take them out i guess you gotta you gotta have some balls there and i feel like they should have had not just fourth and nine they should have been more aggressive to begin with on the plays earlier they were just like run the ball on first down, run the ball on second and six, and then they tried to do a screen on third down. And it's like, Well, you know guys, who has huge balls? Right, right. And Kansas City, was even without Mahomes, was they were just like third and 15, and Henne runs for 14 yards, and then they have fourth and one, and Romo, and everyone else is like, oh, they're just trying to draw them off sides, and they end up going for it, and they get Tyree Kill for a five-yard little outplay that had everyone fooled. You want to win in this this far in the playoffs. I feel like that's the type of stuff that you've got to do. And they did it, and Cleveland wasn't super aggressive, and Kansas City reaped the rewards for being aggressive. So good on them. Mad props for them because 
without the, with their star quarterback going down, they were still able to pull out the win. So I got to give them credit. I give Cleveland some credit for fighting hard, but they could have gotten more credit if they were a little more aggressive. And I get that their passing game isn't what they want it to be. And Stefanski is kind of been holding Mayfield in check all year long. And that's not the way that they really play. But Baker, in this spot, they needed to. Baker had that great over-the-shoulder pass to uh, Peoples-Jones. He, like, dropped it right in a bucket. He just yeah. didn't let him uh, unleash it. I Yeah, I, not enough. Not enough. It was just a lot of short stuff. I mean, I feel like everybody knows you can beat Kansas City in the middle of the field. And I just feel like Chubb dropped at least three passes that he could have had, and that hurt. But then there just wasn't enough attacking the middle of the field i thought from mayfield and the browns and i bet there's a lot of regret on that team and especially the coaching staff when they look back on it and it's unfortunate because they had a chance to take out the chiefs in this game yeah yeah the chiefs aren't going to give you many opportunities like that no so Uh, um one more note from this game i remember that you had some issue with the call on this game you were pretty annoyed with the clarifying. Oh, Romo. Romo was awful in this game, especially at the end. Like, suddenly he thinks that he's the show and that he's getting maybe once you get paid a certain amount of millions of dollars, um, that makes you think that you're the show and not the teams on the field. But he's decided that he's not only going to do his job, but the commentary, he's started to take Jim Nance's play by play calls away from him especially on the third down and the fourth down plays by Kansas City late in the game. And I think that Nance, you can tell, is getting kind of annoyed. And Romo is just kind of being a character of himself. Kind of, I, I don't really understand what's good. What, and then even in the beginning of the game, when Jim Nance said, "How? what does Kansas City need to do to win this game? And he's like, oh, I think their offensive line needs to play well. And it's like, Nance is like, yeah, no kidding. Anything else? And he's like, no, that's it. Like, it seems like something's off with him. I, I don't really understand. Like, something's not right. Mm. He was really good when he first started. Maybe he's just heard too many of the press clippings and he's gotten full of himself, but something's a little askew, right? Don't you agree? Uh, no, I mean, that was I've, goofy. I've never been very critical of Romo. I, I, I'm usually just so fascinated by his wealth of knowledge and just trying to understand everything that he's saying and not miss anything. So. Yeah, it wasn't something that annoyed me, but you were certainly not alone in your views on that, for sure. No, he's going to be hearing about it because Jim Nance is like a sacred cow for CBS, obviously, and has been with them for a long, long time. So what he says is important, I think, to them as a team. And you don't really want to irritate him. And I think you can tell that he was getting a little irritated by... Romo's theatrics especially at the end of the game so we'll see what happens going forward but the unfortunate news or the fortunate news if he cleans it up a little bit is that CBS has the Super Bowl this year so if you were annoyed last game you got to hope he cleans it up for the Super Bowl Alrighty, we have one final game speaking of one final game Drew Brees's final game the Buccaneers at the Saints Tampa Tom and the boys, 30-20 to 20 over the Saints, putting Drew Brees into retirement. All right, after me. Go Bucks, go! Go Bucks, go! Go Bucks, go! Everybody, let's get on the ship. We're headed up to Green Bay. Hop on the pirate ship. It's time. We're taking down Rodgers next. <laughs> All right, Tampa Bay and Tampa Tom. They win their second consecutive playoff road game. No easy feat. I will remind anyone who's tried to win a road playoff game, it's not easy to win on the road. And they didn't just win on the road. They won in the Superdome as underdogs. So this is a big, a pretty big accomplishment uh, for a team that was 7-9 and nine last year that hadn't been to the playoffs in 13 years, that hadn't won a playoff game in 20 years. You're going to hear me say this because it's all about Belichick versus Brady. It's all about Belichick versus Brady. That's even bigger than I, I think than the Super Bowl is Belichick versus Brady because they, <laughs> they, they split. After 20 years, they split. Belichick let Brady walk out the door. He kicked him out the door. He had no interest in keeping him around. And it's the big one of the bigger mistakes that I, I, I could see happening in life. And 
just with like no you, plan B too, which is what which, which is the killer, right? You like so when the 49ers let Montana walk out the door, they had Steve Young. When the Packers let Brett Favre walk out the door, they had Aaron Rodgers. When the Patriots let Tom Brady walk out the door, they had nobody. And then they signed Cam Newton, the last man standing, <laughs> for $1 million, who was absolutely terrible this year. So with no plan, that's an excellent point by you. Good job. And so the Patriots over the last 20 years, and I'm sure you'll be the first one to say, thought that they had all the answers, right? They were the most arrogant organization, thinking that they had all the answers to the test and that it was the Patriots' way that was the winning formula. And even Bob Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, would tell you that they run all their businesses the same way. And when you look back on it, you think of all the money that Tom Brady, they saved not having to pay Tom Brady market value. The Patriots spent the least amount of salary cap money over the last five years combined, the least 32nd out of all 32 teams were the Patriots and in, in money spent over the last five years, which is pathetic. And they barely paid Tom Brady. Meanwhile, we find out that Belichick was making $25 million. He wouldn't even pay his quarterback, Tom Brady, that much money. And so he let him walk out the door because he wouldn't even give him the respect that he deserved, calling him Johnny Foxborough. And for Tom Brady to take this, his show, to take his show down to Tampa Bay, the lo- and this is a fact, they are the losingest franchise in the history of professional sports is the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tom Brady went down there and turned that losing franchise into a team that is now one win from the Super Bowl, has won two road playoff games, and now Tom Brady is in his ninth championship game in the last 10 years and is 14th overall with a chance to go to his 10th Super Bowl. So let me ask you, Ernesto, is there a such thing? as the Patriot way, or did Bill Belichick just get lucky in the year 2000 by plucking Tom Brady in the sixth round of the draft after passing on him five times previously in that draft, like many other teams? Did Belichick just get lucky and draft one of the greatest, winningest professional sports athletes that we've ever seen in our time, or is there a Patriot's way? I don't think the two are mutually exclusive, um, but they don't do it without Tom, for sure. Right. So I'm not going to be a complete moron, even though I would like to be and say that it's 100 percent Tom Brady and zero percent Belichick. But if you were in the in in the Bill versus Brady argument, you got to say that it's probably about 75 percent Tom, 25 percent Belichick right now. And the further he goes, the worse it looks for Belichick. And like I said earlier, his wife has had to sh- she's had to shut down her Instagram account because of all the comments that she's making and, and she, people are making at her regarding Bill and his arrogance and the Patriots and their arrogance and the decisions that they made. Because what you find now is the diehards like Ernesto and Marty and myself, we've known about the ins and outs and Brady leaving the Patriots for a long time and all the different nuances and and the different reasons why they were separating. But what you find now is now that we're in the championship game and the Super Bowl is next week, now you have Aunt Kathy, little cousin Billy, people that don't really watch sports saying they're watching their games now and they're saying, why isn't Tom Brady on the Patriots? Why, why Why would Bill Belichick let Tom Brady go? And I think anyone who knows or has had a boss that they really didn't like in the past, if you can let your old boss that you didn't like and you can shove it in their face, you're going to do it and you're going to enjoy doing it if you can do it. And that, I think, is Brady looks like he's having more fun than he's had in a long time. And him and Gronk are definitely taking the opportunity to mention fun at every turn that they can because fun is not something you have when you play for Bill Belichick. I think he came out and said that they are letting him be himself, the meaning the Tampa Bay organization, in a way that he was never allowed to be in New England. Yeah, even Coach Arians poked at Brady. And I, I he said that I'm letting him coach in New England. They never let Tom coach. I just and I love that the Nash it's not just the local media around Boston that's getting at Belichick now. It's the national media has latched on and they're saying, Well, how good really of a coach is Bill Belichick? Is he the greatest coach of all time? Is he even a decent coach? 
Right now, we don't even know because all we see is Tom Brady has taken the losingest franchise in the history of sports to the NFC Championship game after them being 7-9 last year. And you listen to comments and quotes from linebacker Devin White saying, you just want to emulate him and you want to follow him around and do whatever he's doing because he's a winner. He's a born winner. He's a born leader. And you just you look at these quotes and you can tell that Tom Brady has infected the entire team with some winning spirit. Now, there's still a lot of errors and mistakes that Tampa Bay makes on the field. And you could see it in the, the first quarter, the first half of the game against the Saints. They still have a tough time getting out of their own way. It's hard to take the Tampa Bay out of Tampa Bay completely. But I think Tom's doing a really good job. And I think early on in this game, it could have gotten away from them. But Tom was able to play. It was a tough defensive game in this game for both quarterbacks. I think that both defenses were playing well. And it was hard hard to find any rhythm offensively for both teams. And I think right before halftime, Tom Brady and the Bucks' offense only had like 75 yards of offense. And they were frustrated. They were really frustrated. And But right before half, the Bucks were able to tie it up and they made the score 13 of 13 and then the saints come out and they had that great drive to start the third quarter and they go ahead 20 to 13 and they get the ball back and then i think the turning point in the game for me was when jared cook caught the ball and then fumbled it devin white recovers it and so instead of the saints going up with another field goal or another touchdown to extend their lead brady leads them down and they tie the game at 20 and then from there they go on to win 30 to 20 and the biggest difference for me is all weekend we saw teams get turnovers. But in this game, when the Buccaneers got three Saints turnovers, Tom Brady led them to three Buccaneers touchdowns. And that was the big the big difference was he's able to not make mistakes himself offensively against a good defense. And he's able to take his opportunities when the defense gives him the ball back off a turnover. And he leads his team to touchdowns, not field goals. So... Good win. I'm excited. Johnny, did Michael Thomas testify against somebody in court or something? Because <laughs> this kid's been in witness protection all year. So apparently he had to have surgery the other day on ligaments. So he wasn't fully healthy, which is goes back to the point Marty said in one of his texts about him not making good cuts on his in route because you're not making good cuts if you're still in pain and you have lig- ligament damage in your ankles. So I think that was the issue. Ah. And a touching scene after the game with Tom Brady and Drew Brees, both maskless, um, giving each mm. other butterfly kisses. And I don't uh, think Tom Brady believes in COVID. I don't think he does either. <laughs> Whatever that means. And, and uh, throw in a dime in the corner of the end zone to Brees' son. Second game in a row that you saw him meet up and have nice words with the other team's well, I guess Alex Smith wasn't the active quarterback for the Washington football team in the previous game, but he had some really nice words for him and said, uh, you know, I'm always here if you need me and I respect everything you, you've been through and, you, and you've done to get back on the field. And so I thought that was really impressive. And then in this game, you know, to come back out hours after the game ended and hang out with Drew and his family and just, I just Soak think the moment Tom... In. Tom is the ultimate in class personified. And I don't, even my wife said to me the other day, she's like, how can anybody not like Tom Brady? And that's exactly the way I feel. How can anybody not like Tom Brady? It's pretty easy, actually. Okay. It just, it just comes naturally. I don't, I don't understand it, but okay. Effortless. I feel like my mother (laughs) said that to me before too. How can anyone not like Tom Brady? (laughs) And I say the same thing. How can anyone not like him? I mean, the guy is just everything you'd want to be in a human. He doesn't believe in COVID. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's one thing. (laughs) Everything else is perfect. Okay. (laughs) Let's take a look at this weekend's games. Yeah, this is, uh, it's going to be tough for me. And, um, you know, my bias is going to come out, so. I'll tell you that right off the bat. So the three o'clock game on Sunday for championship weekend is the five seed, the Buccaneers at the number one seed Packers. And we have the Packers are three and a half point favorites in this game currently with a over under of 51 and a half. We saw these teams play in week six on October 18th in Tampa Bay where Tampa Bay beat Green Bay 38 to 10. 
I don't expect that to be the similar result. And I think here's another thing where I think Tom Brady's experience in leadership comes into play here. If it was Tom Brady wasn't a quarterback for the Buccaneers, then it was literally anybody else. And you said that Tampa Bay was going to go to Green Bay and it was going to be snowing in January to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game. I would laugh and say Tampa Bay doesn't have a chance, but he's going to tell his receivers, he's going to tell his teammates how to prepare for the cold, how to dress, what to, what kind of cleats to wear, what to do with the balls, what to do at halftime. He's gonna <laughs> yeah, I, he's got a couple ideas of what to do with the balls. Well, that's why he wins. <laughs> <laughs> Delete that. <laughs> Edit that right out, please. <laughs> so I think in this game that he can help out his teammates, and I think that they'll have a chance in this game, and I think the line tells you that. If I wasn't all team Tom Brady all the time, I would say Green Bay all the way in this game. But the line would, would give me a little bit of pause. Three and a half seems a little short if I was pulling for Green Bay. So um, I do know that. Well, because Mike, it's Tom Brady, doesn't that line make sense? Maybe a little bit. But Mike Pettin's defense is a defense that Tom Brady has faced a lot of times. And he's, in fact, beat Mike Pettin's defenses eight times in a row. Similar to a, like Jack Del Rio and other defenses that he's played a lot over the years, Mike Pettin plays a lot of zone, and he doesn't bring pressure up the middle. So if you know Mike, you can't play zone against Tom, though, you you would think that they would come Mike in. Mike Pettin never changes. He doesn't change for anyone. That's why when you see Mike Pettin go up against like stud receivers like Julio Jones or you know, a great number one receivers, they rack up 200 yard days because he doesn't adjust for anyone or anything. He just plays his defense the safe way, the thing, the way he thinks is best for his team. That's just the way he does. And he's always done it. So Mike Pettin used to be in the AFC East with the Jets and the Bills. And now he's been with the Packers for a few years. And I think Tom Brady should have a good day in this one. But on the flip side, I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to have a good day as well. So I think a strong bet would be to take the over in this game because Brady should be able to do what he wants offensively. But on the flip side, I think Rodgers will be able to get his as well, especially if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't double Devontae Adams. And that if you watch the way Tampa Bay played Tyreek Hill earlier in the year, I don't think that they're going to do the smart thing against Devontae Adams. And I think if you want to try to keep Aaron Rodgers and Adams in check, I think take, take away Devontae Adams and make him beat you with other guys would be the smart thing to do. So that remains to be seen. Maybe maybe they will and they'll surprise us. But I, I unfortunately, I don't see that happening. So I think both quarterbacks will be able to get what they want to and it should lead to kind of a high-scoring game, and it's supposed to be like 75-80% chance of snow, so we should get snow in this game. That'll be a little fun watch, I think. Rodgers versus Brady to go to the Super Bowl. You couldn't ask for a much better in Lambeau Field with snow. You couldn't ask for a much better watch than that. Yeah, I mean, the stage is really set for Tom to just have like a heroic vanquishing of all of the greats on his way to being personally uh wow would he be the person with the most super bowls he is the person with the most super bowls charles well, haley had five but brady has six well bill has six too well coach yeah technically eight is a defensive coordinator he had two so that's why his boat's called eight rings but his boat should be called two rings as an assistant coach and six brady rings <laughs> <laughs> that's a little clunky and it hard Let's to get call them mostly brady's rings <laughs> as promised we were going to do a little brady stroke here so one of the things that uh, really caught my eye is playoff wins total playoff wins for franchises versus tom brady here's the list new england patriots have 37 playoff wins the green bay packers have 36 playoff wins the Pittsburgh Steelers have 36 wins. The Dallas Cowboys have 35 wins. And Tom Brady himself has 32 playoff wins. And he's only played since the year 2001. Meanwhile, the rest of the franchises have been around since at least 1970, most of them before that. <laughs> That's insanity, right? His stats are just insanity. So this is his 14th and 14th championship game. He's nine and four in championship games. 
He's six and three in Super Bowls. This would be his tenth Super Bowl if he can get there. I mean, it's all just gravy. You said he, you said he needs to win. The, he doesn't need to win the Super Bowl because the argument isn't him against anybody else. He's already beaten everybody else. The argument is him versus Belichick, and Belichick's clearly not there. And now it's a landslide against Belichick. So it's just Brady gravy at this point. He can, and and to be honest, I'd almost rather if. If he is not going to win the Super Bowl, I'd almost rather him lose this game than get to the Super Bowl because there's something about a Super Bowl loss that leaves more a little bit more of a stain on Scars. you. Scars. For some reason, it does. I don't really understand it. You think that if you get that far, you should get more credit, but it in a weird way, it doesn't work like that. So um, I don't want him to be six and four in the Super Bowl. I'd prefer him to be six and three. Um, and but. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Super Bowl and for him to win it. But um, it's just crazy. The numbers are just insanity. They really are. This is the ninth time in 10 years that he's been in the championship game. And the one time he didn't was last year when he came up one game short, losing to Tennessee. And that was the one year Belichick decided to let Tom walk out the door. The one time in 10 years he didn't get to the final four. Like, that's absurd if you think about it. Like, what are you doing? Just, just You don't even have to make it difficult. You don't even have to think hard about it. Just make, make it simple. What are, you, what are you doing? Like, what are you thinking? And so and to know that Kraft let that happen too, he gets almost as much blame as Belichick does for letting it happen because he had control of the situation too and could have said, uh, no, Bill, absolutely not. We're not letting this man walk out the door. He's been to eight of the last nine championship games. We're not going to just let him go. He's always said that he wants to play till 45 and we're going to accommodate that bill. So uh, go make your roster adjustments elsewhere, please. But he didn't. He said, okay, Bill, whatever you want to do, Bill. And now look, just like the Red Sox got to watch Mookie Betts win the World Series for another team in Dodger blue, it seems to be lending itself to the Patriots are going to get to watch Tom Brady bask in glory. And I don't know what, what is the Tampa Bay color? Tampa Bay. What? Gray and maroon. I don't know. We have whatever Tampa Bay colors it is. And the, Patri- <laughs> and the Patriots deserve and Belichick deserve all the suffering and pain that they are needing to endure. And that's one of the main reasons I hope he wins this week is just so it gets even worse on a national level for Belichick. And people start to question whether Belichick was ever even a good coach because it started. Wow. Yeah, well, well I was right. It, it's deep, man. It cuts deep. And I was waited. 2020 was a rough year for sports. And to see it all kind of come full circle and just to know that I was right and a lot of the fans were right and that the organizations themselves were wrong, it's kind of, it vindicates me a little bit and it makes me feel good to know that I was right. And it's like, what have you, look, what have you been doing or watching for the last 20 years or whatever to let this guy walk out that door? And it hurt and it still hurts to this day. And it makes me upset every day thinking about it. And just to know that it gets shoved back in Bill's face just a little bit makes me feel better because he deserves it. (laughs) So that's all. All right. Take us into our Sunday night game. All right. So the first game was the Bucks Packers. The next game, AFC championship is the two seeded Bills traveling into Kansas City against the Chiefs. Early on, when Mahomes was questionable on Sunday, the line was Bills minus one and a half. So you could have grabbed Casey at a nice deal there. But it's corrected as we kind of have figured out that Mahomes is going to be playing. So now Kansas City is minus a three-point favorite. And I don't really know what to expect in this game because the Bills have gone, total, like I said before, they've totally gone away from the running game completely. And I feel like if you want to beat the Chiefs, You need to do play-action passing. That's what's going to beat them because they're super aggressive on defense. Spagnuolo likes to send men on blitzes, and I feel like if you're going to let Josh Allen throw the ball 50-plus times, 60 times in this game, that's going to lend itself to mistakes. At some point, Tyron Matthew and Chris Jones is going to get pressured on on Josh Allen, and you're going to lend, lend itself to a mistake. you got to keep the defense honest a little bit by running the ball. And so I feel like they need to get back to running the ball a little bit. On the flip side, I don't know what impact Mahomes' injury will have. I know that CEH is supposed to be back at running back, even though Daryl Williams played pretty well. 
Um, Sammy Watkins practiced a little bit today, so he might be back for this game. Uh, but Kelsey and Tyreek Hill looked fantastic last week. So, Why has Le'Veon Bell been so invisible? I think that he doesn't know the offense as well as he should, which is not surprising, right? He's not very smart. No, I feel like the Andy Reid offense might be just a little too complex for him, at least at this point. Maybe he needs another offseason in it. But um, I don't know. I have a weird feeling, Nesto, that the Bills are going to win this game, but I haven't really pinpointed exactly how or why because, like I said, if Josh Allen's going to throw the ball 60 times, there's going to be a mistake or two in there that he makes that leads to a Kansas City short field or a touchdown, right? Don't, you, a, don't you see? Yeah, Living, there's – Like Matthew or Jones doing something. If you're going to let Josh Allen flip, flip the ball 60 times – it's going to be a mistake. You got to keep them honest by running the ball at least a little bit. Like we're talking like at least 10, maybe 15 times in the game. And then hopefully you can throw the ball like 40 times, maybe 15 times off the play action that, that, that at least keeps their secondary honest because we, what we've seen from the Kansas city secondary is they're super aggressive with Sorensen and Matthew. They're just, they, they get going in one direction and they are flying to the ball. So when they get ahead of steam, they're on their way. So I think to keep them in check with the play action is key in this. And I think Dayball needs to recognize that. I think I think that's a, a symptom of having such a high-powered offense, though. When you're always playing with the lead, then you can pin your ears back. So I think a big key in this game, as as always, anytime you're playing the Chiefs, the fir- getting the first score is going to be critical for uh, the, the bills, but one of the things that I think they have going for them, and this is such a, you know, intangible bullshit, but they really got, they're one of the teams that really has a lot of jam and a lot of juice this, this year and a lot of momentum. And, um, you know how, when you can just feel it, that, that it's their year, Mm. Uh, it, it really feels to me like this could be the year that uh, Buffalo gets to exercise the demons. Uh, and what a great story that would be uh, if they're able to to take it all the way. And uh, I'm certainly putting my hat in that ring and hopping on to the, the Bills bandwagon here. Of course, as you know, I, I had at the beginning of the playoffs the Bills and the Packers. Mm. So hope, hoping to see that play itself out. But what if Buffalo has to face their daddy, Tom Brady, in the Super Bowl? Do you know Tom Brady is 32-3 and against Buffalo over the years? Like, and now Buffalo was like, finally, Tom Brady is out of the division. Woohoo! We get to beat the Patriots twice, win the AFC East, and we're 13-3. and And then, oh, we make the Super Bowl, and there he is. <laughs> <laughs> Our daddy. Oh, no. <laughs> there he is. Oh, boy. Either way, I think we're going to get something this weekend that we didn't get the past couple weekends, and that is good, exciting football. I Yeah, I pray, too, because Sunday was better, for sure. But most of the playoffs to this point have been kind of a snooze fest, and I look forward to playoff football all year long. And to be disappointed game after game, it's been like, come on, man, give, like, give me something good, like... And so Sunday was a step in the right direction, especially with Tom Brady game because I was super nervous. But I think uh, the line and the total in both of these games lends itself to what should be pretty high scoring and close games. So I'm hoping that we get we get that in both of them. We get some exciting action. And yeah, you're right. I don't know who's going to be in the Super Bowl, whether it's Packers, Chiefs, Bucks, Chiefs. Bills, Packers, Bills, Buccaneers, I think whatever matchup we get at this point, it doesn't really matter too much for the NFL. I think it's all pretty good for the NFL, no matter who it is, whether it's Brady, whether it's Rodgers, whether it's Buffalo trying to exercise its 0-4 Super Bowl demons, whether it's Chiefs and Mahomes trying to repeat. I just think that the NFL is— Lots of storylines. Right. They're in a no-lose situation at this point because it's all gravy for them, too. Alrighty. Quick note for next week, we will be taking a bye week next week, and we will uh, be back to you the following week, the week of the Super Bowl, uh, to recap the championship round and give a Super Bowl preview and maybe some 
year in review, maybe we can do some uh, year-end awards uh, for this crazy COVID year that we had. Do you know sports. what's going to happen in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl? Like, are they having fans? I think they're having fans. It's because I Florida. know that. I know, I know, I know. But let me tell you. So the Toronto Raptors had been playing with some fans in in Tampa Bay. The Raptors, yes, the Toronto Raptors have been playing basketball in Tampa Bay, and they had been having some fans. And the Tampa Bay Lightning had been having some fans. But then there were a bunch of COVID cases, and then they just recently they said no fans. And same thing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers games at the end of the year. And so I don't know what the plan is for the Super Bowl. And I'm very curious to see what the whole COVID deal is for the Super Bowl this year in Tampa Bay. I mean, I, I, are they selling a full stadium? I can't imagine that they are. No, I, I it's definitely not going to be a full stadium, but maybe they'll just get all the halftime dancers and fill a crowd out with those people. Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> definitely something I'm curious about. And this would also, if, if the Buccaneers win, would be the... First time, I, I mean, it's not really a huge deal, but it would be the first time a home team plays in its own stadium for the Super Bowl. Wow. I know the Vikings almost got there a couple of years ago in Minnesota, but yeah, that's never happened before. So that would be interesting, especially if there is no fan, like a limited amount of fans too. That would be like, okay, yeah, the home team made it to the Super Bowl, but yeah, you don't have any fans. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine they would do it without any fans at all, but we won't know until we get closer. So until then, like us on the stuff, follow, share. Um, Big thank you to whoever out there, our new listeners. Um, We saw a big spike in listenership this week, uh, so we definitely appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who's uh, sharing and spreading the gmsr message out there we really appreciate it yes thank you enjoy the games this weekend all right johnny see you in a couple weeks yes absolutely have a good week